Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. All right, guys, we're going to be back in Mark again, tracking through Mark, and we're at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13 this morning. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. And again, as, as we've been saying, Mark is giving an account of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's more of an abbreviated account. He leaves out a lot of details that some of the other Gospels put into play. And he's essentially putting forth this question. You should know by now, what's the question? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And it's a vital question, not only during the time of the ministry of Jesus Christ, but it's a question that we have to grapple with. It's a question that we want the people of Allentown to grapple with. Who do you say Jesus is? And if you were to line up a number of people or just go out on the streets and start asking people, you're going to get all kinds of answers. He was a prophet. He was some guy in the Bible. He's the guy who died on the cross. He's someone that people worship. There's probably answers that are all over the map when it comes to who Jesus is. Jesus, in his ministry, is putting forth who he is. But the issue is there are some people who are not willing to accept who he says he is. So the Pharisees hate him. They're going to plot to have him crucified. The disciples are not quite sure. They know he's more than just a carpenter at this point. He's doing miracles. His family thinks he's crazy. But then you have people like Jarius' daughter who gets healed by him. And a centurion who knows he's more than a man. You get somebody like the man who was possessed with demons. He certainly knows, yeah, he's more than just a man. He healed me. He set me free. Everybody has all of these different opinions about who Jesus is. And Jesus is constantly, through his miracles, through his preaching, pointing to the fact that no, he's more than just a man. He's more than a rabbi. He's certainly more than a carpenter. He's the son of God, the lamb of God, who came to pay for the sins of mankind. And what we're going to see in the passage this morning is Jesus is going to send out 12 of his disciples almost on a preliminary mission trip, okay? This is not the Great Commission. That comes after. But this is almost like a a, a little trial mission, if you will. I'm going to send you guys out, give you a little taste of what it's going to be like to proclaim me. And we're going to see after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these disciples continue this work right on through the book of Acts. There's some interesting things here that We're going to look at in verses 7 to 13 as Jesus sends them out. 
And I think there are some principles here that we can take and say, wow, as we do ministry, these are some things we need to remember. So let's ask God to open up our eyes as we get into his word this morning. God, it is your word that changes us. It is your word that conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so now we pray for that in all of our lives. As we look at this passage, open up our eyes that we might understand the meaning as you intended. In Christ's name, amen. Let's look at verse 7, Mark 6, verse 7. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. Now that's significant right there. The fact, why didn't you send them out one at a time? This idea of sending them out two by two kind of echoes letting word be established in the presence of two or more witnesses. There's accountability there. There, there, there. There's the sense of, okay, what I'm saying, this person can affirm, but there's also a sense of accountability. I want you to go two by two. This is not you going out on a lone mission all by yourself. Even when you see an Acts, where, remember Paul and Barnabas kind of got into it and they had a little disagreement? to the point where it was so contentious between them that Paul went one way and Barnabas went another way. But even then, they both got a companion to go with them. You see this model throughout Scripture where you see two going. And notice what Jesus says to them. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now remember, we we already saw where Jesus had authority over the unclean spirits. He cast the demons out. Remember, they went into the swines. He cast the demons out of of the man. Now he's giving, think about it, the disciples the authority. This authority does not lie in them. They don't have the authority in and of themselves. Jesus gave them authority to now have power over the unclean spirits. They are going to embark on this mission armed with something that is not innate to themselves. Why did God do that? Why did Jesus do this? One of the things that miracles do is they authenticate the message. They authenticate the message. A lot of times today, people kind of abuse this idea of healings as if it's only about the healing or it's only about the person getting deliverance. While deliverance is there in the lives of people, even as these disciples are about to embark upon, The primary reason for this supernatural power that they're going to be given, that they're given by Jesus Christ, is to authenticate that what I'm saying about Jesus Christ is real. And I think we got to be careful in our day and time that we don't mix that up. So they're going to go out. They have this authority over the unclean spirits. We're going to see shortly that also they're going to heal many people not just for the sake of healing. But now notice what Jesus says. It's interesting the way he tells them to prepare. Look at verse 8. 
he charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. You got to understand, in the ancient Near East, this is being unprepared. <laughs> this is totally countercultural. What's the point here? Listen, guys, as I send you out, you're going to be totally dependent on me. I'm going to prove that I am going to take care of you. Now, let's be careful. This is not something I believe we can extract and say, therefore, this is how we ought to do it. He is talking to the 12. <laughs> All right? But notice, he says, don't take a staff. Now, if you look at the other gospel accounts, he says, don't take anything except a staff. The other accounts say, don't even take a staff. They say, wait, there's a contradiction. The other gospels say, don't take a staff. Mark is saying, what? On your journey, take nothing for your journey except the staff. Ah, the critics say there's a contradiction. Why do these gospels say one thing and this one says the other? Well, you got to understand the word staff there means rod too. It can be translated both ways to mean a staff or a rod. And the idea is this. When they traveled, think about the shepherd. They would normally take that little crook, right? The little kind of, what do you call that thing? I forget what you call that little, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> the shepherds, right? They would have that in their hand. And if the sheep would go off track, they could lift it out and they put that little crook around the sheep's neck and pull it back in. Getting ready to go off a cliff, pull them back in. But they didn't just have a staff. They also had a rod in their hand. Okay? They also had a rod. They had two sticks in their hand. One was for guiding, but the other one was kind of like their weapon. For warding off animals, wild animals, fox or whatever would try to come in the herd, they would beat them away. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, the only thing you need to take is a staff as you're walking along the journey to help you in your footing. But you know what? Don't worry about your protection. I got you. Wow. Now you got to put yourself in the place of these disciples. Did he just tell us? Did he just tell us not to pack anything? <laughs> yeah, that's what he just said. Don't go packing. Lay your weapon down. Just take your staff to help you along the journey as you're walking. I'll protect you. Put yourself in the place of these disciples. What's going through your head? Um, does Jesus understand what he's doing? He's sending us out, and he's telling us not to take any stick or rod to protect ourselves but just take a staff no bread what's the brother supposed to eat i mean one of these disciples got to be thinking that like no how do you how are we going to go on a journey and not take bread again especially the ancient near east there's not wawas along the way this is this would have hit the disciples as okay this is not adding up at least humanly, it's not adding up. So don't take protection. Don't take 
bread, no bag. You're not talking about their, 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 their suitcase. He's talking about a money bag, a beggar's bag, a bag that they would normally collect money in. So don't, don't, even, don't even take a beggar's bag with you. You're not going to ask anybody for money. Okay, so let me get this straight. So no weapon, no food. I can't even just bring a beggar's bag. So along the way, I can say, hey, hey, could I have a shekel? Hey, we're traveling. Could I have a shekel? Could help a brother out? <laughs> Don't even do that. All right, no problem. Imagine what this going through the disciples' heads. So maybe they're thinking, okay, we'll just, we'll see what we got in savings and take our own money. No, Jesus covers that too. Look what he says. No money. See, those are two different things. Don't take the bag to ask for money and don't even take your money in your belts. No money in their belts. No copper. Don't, don't even bring your own money. But here's what you can do, verse 9, but to wear sandals. Oh, and by the way, don't put on two tunics. Okay, all right. Jesus has now stripped them down to the bare necessities. You can't even bring your own money and don't even bring two tunics. What's essential about that? Oftentimes when you went and you traveled, you had two tunics. Why? Oftentimes if you couldn't find a place to stay, you spent the night outside. Well, the tunic, that second tunic will keep you warm. He says, don't even do that. So picture this. No jacket. <laughs> For if you have to spend the night outside, don't worry about it. No jacket. No money. Not your own money. Don't bring a bag to beg for money. Oh, by the way, don't bring any food. Just take, here, take this staff. Um, okay, <laughs> how would you feel? How would you feel? A little vulnerable? But notice what he did give them. He gave them what in verse 7? He sent began to send them out two by two and gave them what? Authority. <laughs> I mean, like, I appreciate we can cast out demons, but we can't eat demons. <laughs> we still need to eat, Lord. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that he gave them authority over the unclean spirits, but did not give them any physical needs, told them not to bring their own physical needs, but I'll give you authority. And you can have one tunic on, because, you know, <laughs> God has something on. And you can have your sandals. Wow. Now I want you to go. Look at the faith that they had to put in what Christ was saying. The trust that they had to put in Jesus Christ. Now, look what happens. Look at verse 9 again. But to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, now as you go, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. First of all, when you go into a house, when you enter into a house, remember, they have no food, they have no money. So obviously, God in his sovereignty is going to make a way for people to accept them in. Now, in this culture, in the ancient Near East, it was 
normal for you to accept a traveler and show hospitality to them. Where are you going, friend? Come, stay with us. That was normal in the culture, all right? It's interesting that Jesus says, whenever you go into a house, stay there until you depart from there. What's going on there? As you're going and you're going through the villages, someone invites you in, stay there until the work is done. And we're going to see what the work is in a minute. The work is proclaiming Christ. Stay there. In other words, don't jump to the next place. All of a sudden, let's say you're there and someone else comes in that house, a friend of the guy who invited you in. Oh, who are these guys? Oh, these guys are traveling and they have a message. Oh, well, why don't you guys come stay at my place? No, you, you stay right where you are. Don't go house jumping. Stay put. Don't be fickle. Don't say, wow, he has better accommodations. Hey, John, let's go over there. No, stay put. If somebody invites you in, stay put and do the work that I've called you to do. And there, there's, there, there, there's a lot of principles in that. Right? We'll get to that a little later. So whenever you enter in, stay there until you depart from there. But look at the contrary. Verse 11, this could happen. If any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So in other words, you are going to have some people as you're passing through that are going to reject you. They don't want you. Get out of here. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. As you're trying to proclaim the message, the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand, some are going to say, we don't want it. Notice what Jesus says to do. Does he say to argue with them? Does he say to try to coerce them? No. He says, shake the dust off of your feet and move on. Now, you got to understand, that was a symbol of, okay, we proclaimed God's judgment be upon you. Wow. I'm, I'm not going to get all upset. This is what I tell people. Like, why are you getting upset and arguing with people because they don't want to believe in Christ? It's not your heaven or hell. <laughs> it's God's. Just proclaim the message. Speak the truth in love, right? Don't you, you can't argue people into the kingdom. Now, now make sure you're speaking the truth in love and you're not coming across like a Pharisee. Listen, I don't want people's rejection of Christ to be because of my presentation of Christ. Does that make sense? But they're not rejecting me. They're not rejecting me. I don't have anything to get upset about. They're rejecting Christ. And so he tells them, there are going to be some that will not receive you. And as you proclaim that message, you know what? They don't want to hear it. Get out of our town. Okay. Shake the dust. Symbolic of, I'm shaking your dust. I'm done with you. God will deal with you. So you notice as they go out, there's going to be two different responses. Some that may invite them in and hear, others that are going to reject. Look at what happens in verse 12. So they went out 
and proclaimed, okay, here's the message, that people should repent. That's the message. Now imagine, here you are in the ancient Near East, and here come these two guys passing through your little town. And they're like, hey, where are you guys going? Um, we were sent by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We have a message to proclaim. Oh, come on in. How, how long are you going to be in town? Well, as long as we have a hearing, pretty much is the idea here, as long as people will hear us. Well, come on in. Stay at my house. Now, we don't know what that looked like, but obviously they're staying in somebody's house and they're proclaiming, they're preaching the gospel. So maybe this guy who was hosting them is inviting his family, his friends, other people are hearing, hey, are you the guys that are, hey, yeah, we're coming over tonight to hear what you have to say, right? There's ministry going on here. And they're proclaiming what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There are going to be others that are going to say, I'll get, I'll get out of here with that. Get, just keep them on. Go, go. Keep on stepping. We don't want to hear any of that. Shake the dust off of your feet, Jesus says, and keep moving. But notice when they went out, the message they proclaimed that people should repent. My concern today in 2020 is this is not the message you're hearing in churches. It's this. You kind of need to believe in God and God will better your life. God can really give you a sense of purpose and a sense of identity. Come, come and, 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 you know, accept Jesus into your heart so that your life can be lived of joy and can be lived, right? This is what I'm hearing in evangelicalism today. I'm not hearing, here's the message, repent. See, that's a little, that's a little brash. That's a little harsh in our politically correct society where we don't want to offend anybody. No, no, these, these disciples got the message right from the lips of Jesus. Tell people they need to repent. They need to repent. You see this theme throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. When you get into Acts, you're going to see it. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not believe in this moral teacher who can make your life better. No, you and I have a sin problem. We are living in the presence of a holy God, and we need to turn from our sins and place faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel message. Don't water it down for fear of offending somebody. The greatest offense you can do is not tell somebody the true gospel message. Oh, the, the gospel's all about love. I hear that a lot. Um, okay. God so loved the world. Cool. I'm with you. But can we read the rest of the verse? God so loved the world. You can't put a period. God so loved the world. Period. It's all about love. Just how we treat one another, man. It's just about love, love, love. Mm. So much love going around. Okay. God so loved the world. 
That's not all the verse says. That he gave his only begotten son, keep going, that whoever should believe in him mm -hmm, should not what? Perish. Can we stop on the word perish and preach some messages on that? Oh, but people don't want to hear that. You know, it's just, God's a God of love. You're, you're not preaching the gospel. You're not preaching the gospel. And if you're trying to make it sound like God is just about a God of love and that's it, and you're not bringing in the perishing part, the holy God, the wages of sin is death, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ, so it would not have to be poured out on you. Like, you can't leave that messiness of the gospel out. And that's what we're doing today, because people don't want to come to a church where they're talking about repent, or you will die in your sins. Funny, that's what Jesus said. He had no problem saying that. Walks right up to the Pharisees and says, you might think that you're righteous, you might think that you're religious, but unless you repent and believe in me, you too, Mr. Religious Man, will die in your sins. Guys, we got to give people the gospel. Give them the truth of the gospel. And so these 12 go out and the message they proclaim that people should repent. And the implication there is repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So God gives them this authority. God gives them the power to heal in the name of Christ. But understand that the primary message was verse 12. They proclaimed that people should repent. And yes, they cast out demons. Yes, they anointed people and people got healed. But that was not the primary message. You can heal a man physically of his ailment and he die and still go to hell. That was not their primary mission. I hear people say oftentimes Jesus was a man of compassion. Yes, he was. And Jesus was just concerned about all of us getting along together. Nope, sorry, you just switched the gospel. You hear this all the time. Well, Jesus went along healing people because he loved all people. Yes, Jesus had compassion. Yes, Jesus' heart grieved when he saw the effects of sin on mankind, on creation. Yes. And so he healed people. But he didn't just come to heal people physically. He came to show the physical healing that I'm giving you points to something far greater that you need. It's a spiritual healing. Because the reason we have sickness and death in our life is because of sin. We can't switch the priority of what the gospel is about, folks. The gospel is about repenting, turning to Christ for salvation. They got to witness the casting out of many demons and the healing of many people. No doubt. No doubt. But that was not their primary message. Let me turn your attention back up to Mark chapter 1. We covered this a number of weeks ago. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark 1, 14 says this. 
Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Okay, here's Jesus Christ on the scene, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So, so, so what is this good news? What is the gospel? Here it is. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's been the message of Christ from day one. Not that you might live a better moral life or that you might live your best life now or find your deep inner potential. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is repent and believe in me. That's the message of the Christian gospel. And it is being changed today because that's not a popular message. We don't like the S word. Don't call me a sinner. I'm good. I'm innately good. No, you're not. And we who know Christ need to stop sugarcoating what the gospel is for fear of rejection. You're going to be rejected. Some people might be watching this right now. already clicked it off. It's always one of these hell, fire, brimstone preachers. We don't want to hear that. It's not about being a hell and fire, brimstone preacher. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Unless you repent of your sins, you will die in your sins. There's a place called hell for you. Oh, that's so, well, I didn't write it. Jesus, I mean, <laughs> right? Guys, don't fear from giving the true gospel of what it is. Man's greatest need is to, re, is to be restored, to be forgiven in the presence of a holy God. Look at Luke 15, 7. Luke 15, 7, real quick. A couple verses that just show this. 15, 7 says what? Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Not more joy in heaven over a guy who really finds a way to turn over a new leaf and be a more moral guy. No, that's not what heaven is rejoicing over. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The idea, you think you don't need repentance. Jesus is not interested in the fact that you went to church every Sunday, that you went on a mission trip, that you dropped money in the offering plate. Here's the question. Have you repented? <laughs> Have you turned away, confessed before God, I am guilty. God, save me on the merits of Jesus Christ. See, it comes back to who you think Jesus is. Jesus was not just a moral teacher. He was the Savior. Oh, and by the way, when you read Revelation... There's another job description that Jesus Christ has. He's a judge. And he's coming back to judge all wickedness. See, that's unpopular. That's not going to fill up churches. Because I want to feel good about me. Help me feel good about me. Don't say that. I don't want to think about that. Guys, listen. Jesus Christ is Lord but he's also judge. Look at another verse here, Acts 20. Acts 20, 21. Look at Acts 20, 21. Again, you see this theme all throughout Scripture. 
I'm going to start at verse 20. The Apostle Paul speaking. As the Apostle Paul was coming to the end of his ministry, just like these initial disciples went on their initial missionary journey, Paul's life, as you know, was about the same thing, right? The, the, the mission has not changed. This is our mission for 2020 for the Allentown and the surrounding area. The mission hasn't changed. The message isn't different, okay? We're here to proclaim Jesus, to proclaim repentance, right? Look at what Paul says, 2020. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. This is Paul talking. And teaching you in public. And from house to house, Paul, what message did you preach all of your life once you came to know Christ? 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what my ministry was about, Paul says. All of this thing in the synagogue and reasoning back and forth and opening up the Old Testament scriptures, I was showing you Christ. I was showing you the fall of man, the redemption of man through a Messiah that would come and become the Lamb of God. That's what my whole life was about. We deduce this book to being a book of how you can have your best life now. We're missing it. Now, does the Bible talk about how to deal with relationships Absolutely. Does the Bible talk about how to go through suffering? Absolutely. So I'm not saying that the Bible only talks about salvation. But even when the Bible talks about relationships, going through suffering, how to deal with stuff, it's talking about it in the context of the believer. You can deal with these things because your greatest need has been taken care of in Christ. Those are secondary issues. So what your marriage gets worked out? So what you go into the Bible and you find principles of communication and you die in your sins? So what? You see, so many people are deducing this Bible to like a recipe book. I'm struggling. So let me look up something on depression, something on anxiety, something on fear. And we pull all that out and walk right by the gospel. Walk right by the gospel. This is, this is not a book on, on how to deal with all my problems. It's first and foremost a book from Genesis to Revelation that claims what? God is a holy God. You and I are enemies of God. And until that sin problem is taken care of, you and I will be God's enemy. But thank God for Jesus Christ, that there's forgiveness, there's redemption, there's grace. And now I can walk in his wisdom, no matter what this life throws at me. These disciples were sent by Jesus on a mission. And this mission had to do with repentance and belief in Jesus Christ. There was no comfort involved here. There was no comfort involved. He stripped away all of their security. No money. No stick for protection. You don't even know who's going to take you in. you got to trust God. You don't even have a extra tunic in case nobody takes you in and you got to sleep outside. So obviously if Jesus said only take one tunic, Jesus is going to provide a bed for you. 
Is this our attitude, guys, when it comes to, I'm going to live my life and proclaim Christ, and I'm not going to seek to be comforted, have all my comforts in place before I proclaim Christ. No, I'm going to go and I'm going to proclaim Christ even if it involves sacrifice. The disciples understood the heartbeat of Jesus. Now, later on, we're going to see they're going to come back with their report that many people believed. But there are going to be people who are going to reject. So as we wrap up, think about the mission that Jesus sent them on. Yes, this is a very distinct, historical bound mission to these 12. But the same mission does apply to us and the same message being what we need to proclaim. I, I, I don't believe we can hold on to, well, we have authority over unclean spirits and, and God is giving me the authority to tell Satan to come out of people. I, can God do that? Yeah, God can do that. Is that the emphasis of this passage for us today? I don't believe it is. I believe that was for the 12. Can God still use those gifts? Sure he can. What definitely comes over for us, for every single believer? The message that we ought to be proclaiming. The gospel. We ought to be proclaiming repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message that Paul declared. That's ultimately what Christ is going to say at the end of his earthly ministry. Go. Go make disciples. Let's not water down what the gospel is, guys, for sake of being ridiculed, for the sake of the uncomfortableness of the consequences of God's judgment. We need to speak that stuff to people. My goodness, don't hide that from people. It's not you judging them. It's a holy God saying, I'm going to judge them. So the mission needs to be something that we are all ready to do, depending on God, trusting on God, ready for rejection, ready for times of acceptance. We covered that in the parable of the soils, right? Some people are going to reject. Some people are going to accept. But God is the one working in the hearts of mankind. So, Father, I pray that all of us who know you would realize that you've given us this command to proclaim Jesus Christ, to go and proclaim repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to do this in our own respective areas. Father, help us not to be fearful of rejection, not to be fearful of what people are going to think God, help us to give the whole counsel of God. Help us not just to dwell on the fact that you're a God of love. God, we need to let people know you are also a God of wrath. You will judge. There is coming a day where, Father, all injustice will be dealt with. All sin will be dealt with. And, Father, it will either be because of Christ in our lives that we are vindicated or we will have to pay for those sins ourselves. You clearly say the wages of sin is death. It's not a popular message. People don't want to hear that. But God, give us the boldness not to stray away from the gospel. 
We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.